welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. All right. Hey, well, good morning, church. Man, good to see you guys this morning. Excited uh, for today. If it's your first time here, just want to let you know, man, my name's Buck. And uh, I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Connection. And man, I pray you've had a great experience. We're super fired up that you're here. And man, you picked a great day. How about we got two people that have said yes to Christ that are going in the water to be baptized uh, immediately after service. Um, and it's getting that time of year. The folks getting baptized from here to Christmas. Y'all know they're serious about it, right? Um, as the weather gets cold. But man, go ahead and grab your Bibles. First John is where we'll be. First John uh, chapter 2. And uh, again, if you're new or maybe just want to catch up, uh, we are going to study the book of 1 John uh, line by line uh, between now and, and it may go on into Christmas. And I'm pumped about this story and believing God is doing some, some really good things. And so uh, we, we've entitled the series, uh, The Light Has Come. And if I could catch you up uh, talking about this light, uh, week one we talked about that Jesus is real life. He's true life, eternal life. Uh, that is meant to be experienced, but also shared. And then last week, if you missed that sermon or, or any of them, I would love for you to go back. Uh, we talked about what walking in light looks like, that walking in light is not a picture of perfection or a, a absence of darkness, but walking in light is our consistent confronting and confessing darkness in us, right? And so we talked about what walking in light looks like, and then today, Again, we're going to look at First uh, John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Let's read it together. Now, it says that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as your word has been read, um, one, I just want to say, God, I, I love you. And God, thank you for being with us. I thank you for the worship today. And uh, God, we're just grateful. And I pray for each person here, God. I know um, that we've all come in in different circumstances, some good, some bad, some in between. Uh, and God, today I do ask that you would meet each one of us where we are. It's amazing that you can speak to uh, a few hundred people in a room individually. And I ask for that. And God, I pray today, I don't pray for a good sermon. I pray that you would minister to your people today. And God, that you would move me out of the way and that this message would be honoring to you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so 
uh, I'm fresh off of maybe doing the dumbest thing I've done in a while. And uh, last night I wrestled in a wrestling match, a competitive wrestling match, yeah. Y'all must, uh, y'all must have known I won. Uh, I'm glad you clapped. Um, but, but no, uh, man, I had a great time. Got to see some of my old wrestlers and, and got to wrestle with my old wrestling partner. Uh, and it was a great time. And I was thinking about it of if you guys, I know wrestling's not like the most popular sport. And let me clarify, uh, I'm not talking about top ropes and chairs and ladder matches. Okay, that's different, different WWE, different wrestling. Um, but competitive wrestling, I know it's not super popular, but I'm gonna give you some markers that you've met a wrestler, okay? Now, if it's wintertime and you see a guy walking around, got my eye dotted a little bit, he's got a black eye, you, you might have run into a wrestler. That's a marking of a wrestler. Uh, wrestlers do weird stuff, like if you're walking down the hall and you see a guy just kind of break out in this weird movement, you don't know if he's got Tourette's. So, listen, he may be a wrestler, all right? And then if you see someone else, and wrestlers do this weird thing where they tuck their jogging pants into their socks. Weirdest thing ever, all right? But it's like a wrestling thing. It's like a community. That's the marking of a wrestler. That's the marker of a wrestler. Uh, and then, man, if you happen to run in with a dude that he's got ears that are puffed up that look like cauliflowers, you take off going the other way, okay? That's a wrestler, and he will put you on your head, and then if you get in trouble, that's the guy you want to call, all right? But all these markings, these, these are markers that you've met a wrestler. And today, man, I want to talk about markers of people that know their maker. Hear that again. There are markers and markings of someone that confidently knows their maker. And remember, this series is all about why did First John why did John write this letter? It was to a group of young believers and he wanted to assure them of their salvation. He wanted to assure them of their salvation. And so that's the reason for writing. And today we're gonna talk about some markers that we can grow in confidence that we know our maker. Sounds like something we all need to hear today, amen? Amen. And so uh, look with me in verse, uh, verse number three and we'll read through verse six. It says, we know that, We have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Notice the emphasis twice. We can know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live in him as Jesus did. Marker number one, someone that knows him, our lives are growing in obedience to God's word. Our lives are growing in obedience to God's word. This is one of the markers that we can grow in confidence and that we may know. And so make sure you see that growing. And I just wanna reiterate last weekend, we talked about salvation, okay? Like like when someone says, man, I got saved, uh, you'll hear it sometimes in the past tense of back when I got saved. And then sometimes, if you're reading the Bible, it says, as you are being saved. And you're like, okay, well, I I get it. So maybe it's ongoing. And then some parts of the Bible, it talks about Jesus coming back and it says, when we will be saved. And so I wanna reiterate of how do these three or how are they reconciled? The moment we hear the gospel, we repent of our our sin and place faith in Jesus. This is the moment that we are justified. 
That means, remember, that we talked about the courtroom. We're made right with God in a moment. But understand that this is the starting point, not the finish line. And that now from here, when we were in our sin, we've turned, we've said yes to Christ. There is a messy, ongoing process of growing in our relationship with Jesus. This is called sanctification. This is this process of growing to become like Jesus. And when, when he comes back or we pass on, this is the moment of glorification where we get to be with Jesus in heaven. So this ongoing process, this explains salvation. But what is the key marker that we have gone from death to life and we in fact know our maker? Listen to me, it is obedience. In fact, I would say this, belief without obedience is not Christianity. And this is a part of the world we need to hear that. Uh, Intellectual assent or belief without obedience is not Christianity. James 1.22 says, uh, it says this, it says, do not merely listen to the word, and so what? Deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so maybe today, man, you're thinking like, well, man, man that's, just, that's just a hard word to hear, Buck. Or man, I'm, I'm struggling to learn how to obey. I wanna give you the top secret answer. It's not about white knuckling and just getting better at doing it. Listen, you have to learn how to abide in Jesus. It doesn't start with doing, it starts with being with him. It says in, in, uh, in John chapter 15, it says uh, to abide in Christ for apart from him, we can bear no fruit. We have no ability to clean our lives up, to get better at being a Christian apart from Jesus. It's all about him done through him. And so I, I, I think about it, man, it is, as we learn to, to be alone with Jesus, to have quiet time, to, to abide in him, obedience flows from that place. Now think about it, man, the more you get with Jesus, it's a threat, he's gonna rub off on you, I'm just telling you. And so I think about this example. So many times when we miss it, we've got people that are great church attenders, but not really good at practicing Christianity when they leave. You ever met that, met someone? Man, they looking like heaven, they looking straight like Young Gears, H-E-double-L when they walk up out of here, you see what I'm saying? And what it is, it's the boot scoop method. I think about it like, imagine your life like a cup of uh, water, all right? And, uh, and my coffee game, my tea game, it ain't great. I mean, I'm not on worship pastor level with doing espresso and learning all the teas, but I'm getting there. I got a grinder. I'm starting to figure it out. Hey, I've got some, hey, some of my coffee drinkers give me some amens on that. And I don't know a ton about tea, but this is what I know. When you're steeping tea, you gotta let that tea bag sit in the water and let it permeate to fill the cup or you ain't gonna taste no tea. And a lot of times what we do with Jesus is we come to church and we just let that tea bag dabble in the water and we boot and we scoot out and we get the tea bag out, go back into the world. But what I'm talking about abiding is we don't just come to get a touch of Jesus for a minute, but we learn how to rest and let him come and fill our cup. He becomes a part of us. He becomes more like us, or we become more like him, I should say. And he becomes a bigger part of who we are. And in learning to abide in Jesus, obedience is the overflow of him filling our cup. And so it's about being with him. And this is the thing. If obedience is not desirable, it feels more like a duty. Listen to me. When you spend time with Jesus, that duty will become a desire in your life. That's just the overflow of spending time with him. I think about it like this. 
And I've been thinking on this for a long time. I was in a discipleship meeting a while back, long time back now, and I just began to ask myself the question, why, uh, what, what is the barrier to growth as a Christian? Like, I think we live in a place where we preach, get, get what you need to go to heaven, get what you need to go to heaven, get what you need to go to heaven. And the conversation of what to do from there, it needs to be had, right? We don't need to tap someone on the butt. Hey, man, you got what you need. Good luck. Come back to church. Try not to sin too much. Maybe we'll see you in heaven. That's just not what we're called to do. Discipleship is not about a butt tap, man. It's about ongoing transformation of growing in Jesus. And that's where it's at. And so I wanna give you an illustration of what I believe to be some of the barriers and how we can experience the blessing of growing in our relationship with Jesus. These are the four marks of a maturing Christian. I want you guys to check this out. This should be a slide on the screen. The four marks of a maturing Christian. And if it, if it don't come up, I'm gonna explain it to you. Uh, so, so listen, uh, there it is, here we are. The four marks of a maturing Christian, number one is knowledge. And what I don't mean by knowledge is that you know the Bible backwards and forwards. It's not informational knowledge. It is a knowledge of Jesus Christ in a relationship. Accurately defining knowledge. There's people that have great intellectual knowledge but have never moved from that barrier to obedience. And so what we see is when we come into a saving relationship with Jesus, we come to know him, what it does is it brings about gospel transformation, right? It's not about getting better, it's about becoming something brand new on the inside. And the greatest hindrance, I think, where we live is people don't move from knowledge of Jesus to practical obedience of Jesus. But man, when, when that happens, as we begin to know Jesus, we begin to learn how to abide in him, we begin to have desire to obey him in areas of our life. Something that we know is sinful that we've been living in, we have a desire to leave it and obey. You know, it's that, that, that man, I should be in my word. We begin to have a desire to get in the word, uh, wh whatever that may be. And I wanna tell you, once you begin to listen to God and do what he says, this is the key to experiencing God, the presence of God, the power of God. And what happens is you begin to experience God that he's not words on a page, he's not a service to go to, but he's a person I can get up and spend time with and know you're gonna desire to be more led of his spirit. You're gonna desire more of him. And so what that obedience births is desire and intimacy for God. That's this picture of being spirit led of God. I want less of me and more of you. And according to Acts 1.8, as we are led of the spirit, it says that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as you are led of his spirit, the Spirit's always gonna lead you to be effective in the mission. Always gonna lead you to be effective in the mission. And then you do something that you never thought you could do. You invite someone to church. You, you begin to share Jesus with people and you're like, man, I used to be a messed up person. How is this happening? But man, you see God actually using a broken, a, a, a fallen person to share Jesus with people. And man, when I tell you, when you start feeling yourself being effective for the mission, then you're gonna wanna know more of God. And then what happens is it's a wheel. 
And what happens is that will is what moves us from starting to wanting to grow and wanting to finish more like him. And so we see the four marks of a maturing Christian. This is how we can begin to experience God and know that we know him. I think about it um, like this, okay? And accurately defining the Christian life for you. Um, believe it or not, one, once upon a time, uh, I played football too. I mean, believe that or not. And, uh, and, and man, when I was in JV, I, I scored some touchdowns. Like I, I was a pretty good runner. But man, one of the regrets of my life Never scored a varsity touchdown. Never found pay dirt, man. My buddy, man, I'll tell you a story real quick. When I was a freshman, the closest I ever got, Matt Wise, if you're listening, man, you know this story well. I was a freshman. We were beating the tar out of Jeff Davis. And man, we were running buck sweep. And I caught the ball, or I got a handoff, and I cut up field. And, and I saw, man, I saw the journey. I saw the end zone. And man, I just wanted to cross the end zone. And I might have weighed 115 pounds soaking wet, but man, I was on a journey to find the end zone to get pay dirt. And unfortunately, an All-State All-American was on the other side, all right? Matt Wise played at Georgia Southern, great defender. And man, me and him met at the one, and he picked me up, and I ended at the five, all right? So <laughs> shredded the, the, uh, the, 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 that was the closest I got. But I say that to say, that I was on the field, I was moving forward, and I had clarity of the end zone. Listen to me, everyone. The moment you come to faith in Jesus, you're justified. You are not in the end zone, you just got permission to get on the field. The moment we are justified, we have not arrived where we need to be. Now our souls are secure in the end zone, but God has given our bodies to grow and get there. You guys tracking with me? And so we see that, that, that we are called to grow and the end zone is not, hey, try and be a better person. No, the end zone is to obey and to run this race, to be effective for God's kingdom, to be effective for his mission and fall over into heaven. And that, my friends, is the end zone. And so we're talking about this ongoing process. And as you begin to obey, you're going to experience God's movement in your life and he's gonna move you to his great mission. And so I just wanna leave you with a couple clarifying questions today. Again, this series, man, it's my heart for you. I want us, as much as I want people to know him, I want confidence in us that we know that we know him so that we can be effective with him and for him. Number one, do you have the desire to obey God's word? Is there any desire? If there's no desire to obey God's word, man, I love you. But man, you, you need to see the cross today. You need to see the cross today. And then as we are all Christians, man, think about those that are Christians, I'm sorry. Would someone look at your life and say, man, it is not perfect, because I'm gonna tell y'all, the way I'm running on the field, it ain't no straight line, man, it's messy. You get caught off to the right, the Matt Wise of the world tackle you and knock you backwards sometimes. But man, is the overall direction of your life becoming more and more like Jesus? Is there a, a pathway your life is beginning to take? That's how we can have a, that's how we can know that we are marked by knowing our maker. Now pick up with me, let's read in chapter, uh, verse seven and eight. It says, dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. The old command 
is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Marker number two. Our lives are growing in love for God and people. Our lives are growing in love for God and for people. This is a mega, mega, mega big indicator. Love is is it. It's so good. And so what he's talking about here with the new and the old, he says that I'm not writing to you a new command at old. He's talking about the, the one command that Jesus said summarizes the law and the prophets. Does anybody like clarity and simplicity? I'm gonna summarize everything we're called to do, what the Bible is all about, okay? It's about loving God and loving people. I wanna read with you Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Uh, this is a, a reiteration of, uh, of Leviticus. And, and basically what it talks about uh, is that we are called to, to love people. Uh, Matthew 22, it says this. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he goes on to say, this is the first and the greatest command. It starts with loving God. And then verse uh, 39, this is what it says. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see that, that he's saying, hey, um, I'm writing to you that an indicator that you know Jesus is that you're growing in your love for God and you're growing in your love for people. So many times, man, I think it was Lencioni that said, and I know this to be true of my life, we need to be reminded much more than we need to be instructed. Amen? We need to be reminded much more than we need to be instructed. So many come looking for the next thing from God. Oh God, what do you wanna do next? What do you wanna say next? Listen, so many times we wanna get the next thing from God and we aren't obeying the first thing we got from God. The first thing we got from God is love, to love him and to love people. And again, the source of this love, how do we we love well? Maybe, Buckeye, I struggle with loving people well. I'm just not a very loving person. We have to look to Jesus. That is the source of love. We can't conjure it up on our own. We can't white knuckle it. It goes all the way back to that abiding. And in him, we begin to find Love. Because when we try to be Christians and it's not motivated by God's love, two things are gonna happen. Number one, we're gonna fall into legalism. Legalism is works-based, rules-based, driven love. Look at what I do, therefore that earns and merits my relationship with God. And what'll happen when you fall into legalism is you're gonna hate everyone that you think isn't as good as you. You're, you're gonna judge everyone who you don't think is as good as you. I think about in our, our, uh, our sermon prep, we were talking today, man, beautiful uh, testimony from someone. And, and they were just saying that, man, like my, he said, my pastor told me, he said, man, I, I, I was you know, getting after it. I, I knew a lot of the word. I could teach. I had been a lot of the word uh, all over the world. And he said, he sat me down in my office, in his office, And he said, brother, you got a lot of talent, but man, you don't love people. And he said, that was just a a shattering thing, a a very humbling thing to hear. And that, man, you can know this thing backwards and forwards, 
you can do a, God, a, lot of God, a lot of good works for God. But according to 1 Corinthians 13, without love, we have nothing. It's all about love for him and love for people. The second thing we'll fall into is licentiousness. This is an incorrect view of God's love. It's this moment of justification where for some reason we think that God's love for us just merits us to go and love and do whatever we want to do, right? That I've got my ticket to heaven, therefore God loves me in spite of, you know, now I can go do whatever I want. It's this picture of grace abuse. Paul talks about it in Romans 6. He says, or maybe not Romans 6, one of them, one of them parts of Romans. Anyway, he says this. He says, should you keep on sinning? He said, by no means. We were saved from the things that brought death. Right? And so, so we see this picture of, of loving God is not a picture of just getting a card and doing what we want. Loving God is a picture of seeing what he's done for us and receiving him and then walking out a journey loving him, not hoping to be loved by him, but because we have received his love for us. You guys tracking with me? All right, so, so listen, um, legalism or licentiousness is where it'll go. So what do we have to do? We have to understand God's agape love for us. If, if you wanna do a word study, probably half of you could give two rips about a word study, but for the five that do, okay, write down agape, agape. It's a Greek word for love, and I wanna explain it to you. But first, I wanna start out with uh, maybe a different look at love. Uh, so once upon a time, uh, I was in, at George Southern, I was a college student, and I got reconnected with an old high school flame, and her name was Carly Floyd, okay? And, uh, and Carly Floyd was the most beautiful girl that, that had ever considered dating me. It was it an was awesome time, awesome time in my life. And, uh, and so, man, I just thought she was beautiful and didn't know her super well, but man, I was motivated so, man, I'll never forget, I wasn't as good of a cook back then, but I took out the tinfoil, and I grilled onions. I put cheese in these tinfoil packets, and y'all, to the best of my ability, I grilled the best grilled chicken I could make at my 21-year-old uh, no-money-a-month budget, all right? So I, I cooked these onions and cooked this, this chicken, and, and she came over, and, and another uh, young lady came over. that She was kind of hanging out with, with my roommate, and, and, uh, and man, um, you know, I, I was just motivated to love her well. And, and how she stuck with me, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't a Christian then. The first movie we ever watched on a date, believe this or not, uh, is the movie Life. Has anybody seen Life? Yeah, man, don't go watch it. But anyway, um, not, not your most edifying movie again. I was not in Christ. And uh, evidently, she had some love for me because there was a second date. So, but I say that, I had a lot of the motivation of the Greek word eros, love for Carly. Eros is a romantic love. It's a love that's driven by me romantically loving her and wanting to woo her to romantically love me back. Right? That was the, the motivation, the drive of love. There's some other Greek words. There's storge which is family love. That's that familial love, that love that you have for your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your grandparents. And so the motivation is this, this familial love. And then there's the word phileo, this brotherly love. This is like your, your, your partner in crime. This is the person that you'll get in the foxhole with. That's a tight brotherhood, a brotherly love. 
And all these are great experiences of, of love. But understand, God's agape love pales in comparison to any other word for love. You see, agape love is all-encompassing. It's all-consuming. Regardless of what the other party can give back, it's God pouring out his love on us. It's this, seeing you where you are, where you've been, what you're up to, and God's still pouring out love because Jesus has already went to the cross. That's agape. You guys remember we talked about it last week that Jesus has already paid for the sins of the whole world. That's agape. That, that's him doing it without you doing anything in return that could help him. That, 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 that blows me away. That blows me away. And that is the way God loves you. And we could never reciprocate the love of God until we understand and receive the love of God. How could we ever see someone who offends us, who's hard to get along with, who's difficult, who complains, who, who does whatever, you know, maybe there's someone in your life like that. How you love them is how you look to God and see how he loves you. And this is the mark of growing in love, that love is not an emotion. Love is not romantic. Listen to me. Love is an action. It's a choice to love. It's an action. It is sacrificial in nature. We're gonna, man, I, I am ruining the rest of this book, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It says that we know love because God first loved us. The definition of love is not some emotive feeling. No, it's God's own son going to be crucified on the cross sacrificially for me and you. There was nothing emotively beautiful about that, but in that beautiful picture was an action God did to save me and you. That's the picture of love. God came forward first. We had nothing to offer him. And I'm telling you, I hope you're getting a picture because that's, that's the kind of love he wants in our marriages, in our friendships, in our romantic relationships is we don't love to get something back. We love well with nothing in return because we have been loved well by God. This is how we love people. And the picture, man, the picture of growing in Jesus is how well are you loving those that aren't loving you back? That's the picture of Christ and growing. And if you're growing in love, you're growing. So, so ask yourself the question, man, am I actively loving God and loving people? Am I loving well? Is the direction of my life moving to be more like Christ, more into his light? I want to really uh, read verse eight again. It says, yet I am uh, writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's basically saying, man, to grow in love is to grow in light and to grow in light is to be in the light. And how to be in the light is to run to Jesus. And I just wanna make a plug right here. If, if, the, if the minute you walk out of church, your friend circles, your workplace, everything you do feels dark, this is my plug for community. Go find once a week to get with people who are walking in light. I'm gonna tell you, man, that, that right there will change your life. Go find people that are walking in light and you will begin to see a bigger picture of God's love. Now, marker number three, I wanna finish the passage, 9, 10, and 11. It says, anyone who claims to be in light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Highlight that, that, that hates. It says, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light 
and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know, they, they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So just let me set this up. It basically says, if we hate, that, that keeps us bound in darkness. Hatred. So I, I don't want to talk about the symptoms of the problem. I want to preach to the root of the problem today. Okay? And so um, the, the third marker, marker three, that you are growing and can know, marker that you know your maker, our lives are growing in the forgiveness of God's people. In the forgiveness of God's people. Now, I just want to, I just want to um, share with you, a lot of times when we speak on forgiveness, this is a heavy, heavy topic. It can go very, very deep. And I'm praying that God ministers to you in these next few minutes. But I do want to share a few things about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we are validating or condoning what someone has done to us. Let me make that really clear. It doesn't make the offense right at all. Some man, you, you may have been uh, offended or, or sinned against egregiously. And I'm not saying that's okay, it's not. And we serve a just God who sees it. All right, so, so know that. And also I want you to know, you can forgive someone and it's still not, you still don't feel okay. But I, I want you to know this, and God is a God of restoration. And man, we pray for reconciliation and restoration, but not every relationship will be reconciled. And that's not what we're called to go and make happen. We're just called to forgive. And I wanna share why that's important. Why that's important and could just very well change your life. God has a plan for each and every person here. From, from the moment, if you know Christ, from the moment you say yes, there is good works and a plan, a journey, a purpose, a vision God has for your life to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be and ultimately for you to be with him in heaven because he standing here loves you. He loves you. And he wants, he has, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We, we, there's a vision for our life. We have a purpose. You're, you're not here by accident. There are things God wants for your life. There are things that he wants to bless you with, you to experience his goodness. But I want you to know, hatred often is a barrier to you getting there. What it does is it serves as a, a stopping block for God's vision for your life. It's what keeps us from walking in his path. And the root of hatred is unforgiveness. The root of hatred is unforgiveness. What happens is this is it. There's an offense, something happens to us that we feel is unforgivable. Unforgivable. And what happens is that unforgiveness begins to birth hatred. And this hatred begins to grow like a dark cloud in us and it becomes darkness over us. And that now we are cloudy from seeing God, from seeing the end zone, from seeing where he wants us because we are caught in hatred and we're in the dark. We can't see his goodness anymore. We can't see his goodness in our life anymore. We can't see the goodness weighing for us in heaven. What it serves is a barrier, a stopping block to keep us bound and the enemy wants to keep us bound in darkness. 
And what happens when we live in darkness? Three things. Listen, it's going to result in bitterness. It's going to result in brokenness. And it's going to result as a barrier to our growth. Bitterness, brokenness, and a barrier to our growth. And we get stuck. And know that as we talk about forgiveness, it is a choice to make. It is a choice to forgive maybe something that happened to you, something with your parents. Maybe for some, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a relationship that was supposed to be a trusted relationship that someone failed you terribly. And it's not right. It's not right. But know that don't let the, the, the prison, don't let the, the pain of that experience keep you in the prison of darkness. That God wants to move you forward. I'll give you an example. This comes from Charles Dickens' great novel, Great Expectations. It says, the daughter of a wealthy man received a letter on her wedding day at 8.40 a.m. that her husband-to-be was not coming. She stopped all the clocks in the house, and at the precise time, the letter arrived and spent the rest of her life in her bridal dress until it eventually turned yellow. Wearing only one shoe, since she had not yet put on the other at the time of the disaster. Even as an old lady, she remained crippled by the weight of that crushing blow. It was as if everything in the room in the house had stopped. She decided to live in her past, not her present or future. It's basically this picture of this lady that just was frozen. It was this, this, this darkness that just wanted to, to hold her here. But I want you to know, we serve a God who can bring light into the deepest darkness in our life. And he sees us in our pain. He sees us in the dark places of our life. He sees us, and what he wants to do is rescue us out. And the thing that forgiveness does, you know, we think it's, it's gonna, it, it, what it does is it frees us. It frees us. That we don't have to be bound by the experience, but we're defined by the maker. And what he says about our situation and we can begin to raise up out of the darkness to see light, to receive light, and to grow in light and to be broken free. And so as we think about it today, man, who do you need to forgive? And many, many folks, I want you to know, maybe for some, if you're healing the guilt and the shame, maybe it starts with forgiving yourself. <laughs> Jesus has already done that on the cross. Oftentimes, the hardest people to forgive is ourselves. Is it something you grew up in? Is it a relationship that's torn and tethered? It wakes up and it keeps you bound. It keeps you holding down. There's this, this dark cloud over you. Forgiveness is the key for us to begin to be lifted out of that. And know that oftentimes it's not your fault. It's not your fault that we went through it. But I want you to know it is our responsibility to move through it. It's not your fault that it happened, but it is our responsibility to not let it define our life. Jesus does that. Jesus does that. We're not what happened to us. We're who he says we are. This is not where your journey stops. This is the, the breaking point to expansive growth so that you can be used and keep marching on down the field to get to heaven and to bring people with you. And a lot of times God looks down into that mess and he makes it a miracle that we can share with others that go through the same hurt, difficulty, and know that there is hope on the other side. 
So I want you to meditate on that and think about it. And so today, as we look at the three markers that we know our maker, we can grow in confidence. Number one is that we're growing in obedience to God's word. Uh, Number two, what is it? We're growing in love, love for God, love for people. Number three, we're growing in forgiveness toward God's people and forgiveness in general. Well, maybe some are here today and you say, Buck, it's just too hard to obey in this area. I've struggled with this sin my whole life. Or to be honest, I know if I obey, it's just uncomfortable. It's just a difficult step. I'm having a a hard time. I don't know if I can obey. And maybe, man, oftentimes when God calls me to obey in an area, it's so uncomfortable, I just say, God, surely not. You don't mean that. Surely not, Lord. Not that, not not that. Anybody feel that way? Don't leave me up here on the stage by myself now. Number two, bug, I just don't love people. I feel like no one's ever loved me well. Therefore, I just have permission to not love people well. I just can't love. I, I can't. I, I, I can't trust that he loves me because of what I've been through. I just have a hard time loving. How do I do that? Maybe for some it is that, but I just can't forgive that. I can't do it. I need help. How do I forgive? Listen to me. I'll give you one answer for all three. You look to the cross of Jesus Christ. You look to the cross because this is what happened on that cross. Jesus obeyed the Father. You talk about uncomfortable obedience. Jesus obeyed the Father by hanging up on that cross and putting a crown of thorns on his head and walking up Calvary. He obeyed all the way to the cross. That's uncomfortable obedience. He said, I've come just to obey the Father's will. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I'll obey if you call me to do it. And then we talk about love. Listen, you know what Jesus had on on his mind when he was up on the cross, when he was dying on the cross for our sin? He knew he was pleasing his father. It was love for God and it was love for me and you as we sit in our seats right here in this theater. It was love on his heart that I wanna rescue him. I wanna bring him into the kingdom. That's where we find the source of love. How do we we love hard people? Because Jesus loved me and you enough to go to the cross. That's the source of love. And then lastly, I just can't forgive. Well, listen to me. You look to the cross because I look back over my life. I look back over the stuff I've done. He forgave me on that cross. Talking about forgiving difficult people. My goodness, he could have left me a long time ago. He could leave, man, he could leave me now and he'd be just fine doing it because I don't measure up every day. But by golly, he went. He went to the cross to forgive you. And it ain't about earning it. It's about receiving it and walking in it. This is the source of how we forgive others that Jesus Christ forgave us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna leave you, leave you with one passage. We're gonna pray and whatever God puts on your heart, I pray you'd respond. But this is Hebrews 12, one through three. This is Jesus. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. You guys remember that the, the we're on the field. We're, we're running to the end zone. We're growing in obedience. We're growing in spirit. We're growing in missional living. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, consider him. What do we do in these three areas? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart.
Today, if you need to receive Jesus, you do it. Today, if you need to forgive, do it. Today, if he leads you to obey in an area, let's go do it. I believe I've said what God wanted me to say today. I pray we would do what he calls us to do today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Oh, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you obeyed. God, thank you that you loved me enough to go. Thank you that you loved us enough to go. God, thank you that you would forgive my sin, past, present, and future. And so I pray over every heart today, God. I know you're at work today. I thank you. And I pray today for the one that has never received that love. No desire to obey, love, or forgive because those things hasn't happened to us personally. We don't white knuckle it and get better. We receive the love of God in our heart. We, we don't need to be uh, conformed into something better. First, we have to be transformed by the love of Jesus. And so today, if there's someone that would say, but I, that has never happened to me, well, good news. The Bible says if you'll confess your sin, repent, Trust in the lordship of Jesus. Trust in Jesus says you will be saved. And so today, if you'd say, but I need that to be true of me today. I want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, but that's me today. I want a relationship with Jesus. Is that anyone in the house? I'm gonna give you guys just a moment. That's anyone here. Amen. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray. As you've spoken to us, God, would we, just let you minister to our hearts today. And I pray that we would be reminded of the gospel all over again. And God, if we feel led to pray, take a next step, obey, whatever that looks like, Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to obey, to follow through. And God, I do love you. I thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you guys to know as we get ready to, to sing, man, I love you guys so much. And I pray you've heard that, man, God loves you and he's for you. So I pray we respond as he leads in this time. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.